giving is all about connecting our hearts and our lives with God. The song Jennifer just sang is rooted in the 23rd Psalm, uh, probably one of the most familiar passages in the Bible for so many people. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. As you trace the storyline of that particular passage, at the very end it says, Surely the love and mercy of God will follow me. It's the way most of our translations translate it. It's kind of a bland term, follow me. Um, Really, the word in Hebrew is, well, hunt me down. God's love will come chasing after me. Because God loves me that much. And I'm here to tell you and remind you that I'm not the only one God loves. (laughs) He loves you. You are loved by God. Did you know that? Did you remember that this morning when you woke up? Maybe you had a terrible morning. Maybe you had a fight with the kids. Or you burnt your toast or whatever it is. But today, did you wake up remembering that God loves you? God pursues you with His love. And it's because of that great desire of God to connect with your life, He invites you and me to give, to financially give. And you know, we don't make any apologies in our church about talking about giving because the Bible talks about it over and over and over again. There's perhaps no other topic the Bible talks more about. And you know why? It's not because God needs your money. God has plenty of money in His bank account. Did you know that? God doesn't need you to put money into his savings account so that he can do stuff with it. You and I need to be giving because through the act of giving, it releases our attachment to those things so that our hearts can be more attached to God. So that as I give regularly and generously to the things of God, then my heart is more connected with him. Last week we talked about a giving insight, number one, and we looked at the story of Cain and Abel, and out of that story we, we saw how one of these two brothers' gifts, as they brought them to the Lord, one was acceptable and one was not, that God looked with favor upon one, but on the other gift He did not. And part of what we learned out of that is that the amount matters, not, not because one gave more than the other, but because the gift one gave was more important, and it mattered more to the person who gave it rather than the other. So the amount matters. That was our big idea last week, is that the amount matters. Not, not whether you're giving a lot or a little. But if the amount doesn't matter to you, then it's very unlikely that it will matter to God. The amount that you give allows you the opportunity to connect your life and your heart with God. An acceptable gift. Because the Bible in Hebrews chapter 11, it describes Abel's gift as being more acceptable to God. And it's not just barely good enough. It's something that pleases God. It delights God. That, that's what an acceptable gift is. This uh, past Sunday, I was handed a little envelope. And inside was a $20 bill. And it was from uh, a good friend of mine and many of yours, Ken Akins. He uh, leads what's got to be one of the longest consecutively running Bible studies in all of America. <laughs> Ken Akins, he teaches the Agape class. And he handed me this little envelope last week. And we, we've discovered something that we have in common. is that we both occasionally eat breakfast at McDonald's. And almost every Sunday morning, I'll go through the drive-thru at about 5.30, and I'll get a cup of oatmeal and a cup of coffee. 
And that's my breakfast. We've talked about how we, we enjoy eating oatmeal at McDonald's. And he handed me a $20 bill, and on the, the cover of that envelope it said, here's some money for a future breakfast at McDonald's. Now, do you think that was an acceptable gift to me? Of course it was. It didn't have anything to do necessarily with whether the amount was large or small. It was because it was a personal gift. And it was something meaningful to him, and it mattered to him, and so it mattered to me. And it connected our lives together. That's what giving is about. When you give a gift, the intent is for two lives to be connected more deeply and intimately together. So how does God look at our uh, view and look at our giving? The amount does matter. Not every gift is acceptable in the same way to God. If the amount matters to you, then it likely will matter to God. So if the amount matters, how do we know how much to give? Open your Bibles, would you, to Deuteronomy chapter 16. Deuteronomy chapter 16. And uh, as we get to these two verses that we're going to look at together, um, the people have been delivered from their slavery and captivity in Egypt. They've been set free, but now they're learning, they're being taught. This is how you're to live your, your religious community, your faith community together. And uh, it lists out three different festivals that uh, the people are supposed to come to the city uh, every year, especially the men are to come and to celebrate these festivals together. And it is to set through regularity, it's to set an identity. It describes the, the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It, that comes right after Passover, uh, often around our Easter time, uh, about uh, celebrating the release of captivity from Egypt. It's the Festival of Weeks, or Pentecost. It became set at 50 days after the end of Passover. Uh, Pentecost is a, uh, a time of thanking the Lord for the harvest and for the way God provides into the lives of people. And then the Feast of Tabernacles, again, about a harvest festival and then reminding the people about what God did and how He was with them as they uh, uh, came out of, as He liberated them from captivity. But in Deuteronomy chapter 16, here's what the Bible says. Three times a year, all your men must appear before the Lord your God at the place He will choose. At the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. No man should appear before the Lord empty-handed. Each of you must bring what you are able, a gift in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. Giving insight number two, not only does the amount matter, but you and I determine the amount. You and I determine the amount. This is not a new idea. In fact, this is a pattern that we find throughout the Scriptures. Often we assume that God always prescribed the amount that was supposed to be given. But in the eight different categories of giving and offerings listed in the Old Testament, only four of them, the amount is prescribed by God. The other four... The amount given is given out of the giver's desire. They are the ones who choose. One example is when King Solomon, you remember Solomon, we've talked about him recently. He was the son of King David, became the, uh, the king of Israel. Uh, he was known all around the world for his great wisdom. But before God granted him that gift of wisdom, Solomon went out before the temple was built. Uh, he went out to a particular place and he brought a thousand animals to be offered as a burnt offering to the Lord. A thousand 
Not ten, not one hundred, but a thousand. That's a lot of anything, let alone animals to bring out of your stables to offer to the Lord. And it was in that moment that Solomon asked God for wisdom. And God was so pleased to grant that request because he needed it to help lead the people. It doesn't seem to be an amount prescribed by God. It seemed to have been an amount that Solomon, it mattered to him. And therefore, it also mattered to God. It was an acceptable gift. In the New Testament, we see in Zacchaeus. Remember Zacchaeus? A wee little man was Zacchaeus. Luke 19, one of my favorite stories. Zacchaeus climbs up a tree because he's too short to see over the crowds. And here comes Jesus. And Jesus says, Zacchaeus, I'm coming to your house today. And and you'll probably remember the encounter there. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. He was not well liked. He was kind of shunned by the Jewish community because of his collaboration they saw, they thought, with the Roman authorities. And here in this moment, Jesus brings new life and salvation. And you remember his response? He stands up and makes this grand statement. And he says, today, I will give 50% of my possessions. And it was a thanksgiving offering back to what God had done for him. One half of all of his possessions. Was that an amount that mattered? It's not about the quantity As much as an amount that mattered to him and it mattered to God, it became an acceptable gift, a pleasing gift to God. The Apostle Paul, he says uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, there's a collection being taken for some people in great need. And what he says is this, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 6, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Let's say it again. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a grumpy giver. You know that's not what it says. God loves a generous giver. Why does God love generosity? What does God need from you that He does not already have? God wants your heart and He wants your life. He wants to be your companion through all of life. And if we can't see giving... Beyond an obligation to God, if all we see is I have to give 10%, and I'll give it because it's my duty, my obligation, it's the tithe, it's what God expects, and so, uh, here you go again. Here you go again. Can you imagine on a wedding anniversary saying that to your wife or your husband? Here you go again. (laughs) What kind of gift giving is that? That's not relationship deepening and building, is it? You see, giving isn't because God needs what you have. God wants your life and your heart. And the more that we can detach ourselves from our possessions and our reliance on our possessions to be our provision rather than God providing for us, the more God has of our heart.
Does this make sense? You and I get to determine the amount. Now, as I mentioned last week, this isn't now a little shield that we hide behind and say, Oh, great! You're saying the tithe is not obligatory to me, then I'm going to give 1%. Well, you seek the Lord. You find out if that is honoring and acceptable gift to the Lord. It's not to give less. In fact, it's an invitation to be even more generous. It's an invitation to giving freely. Doesn't that sound good? To not be under compulsion to give. To not give because you feel guilted into it, but because you want to connect your life more deeply to the Lord. Insight number three, that we're going to pick up number four next week, is this, that I give according to my abilities. You and I are to give according to our abilities. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, that same issue is being discussed. There are people in need and a collection is, is being gathered. And here's what it says in 2 Corinthians eight twelve: For if the willingness is there, the gift is acceptable according to what one has, not according to what one does not have. So, the amount matters. You and I determine the amount and we are to give according to our abilities. It was an Old Testament standard as well. The tithe is not the only thing the Bible talks about with giving. You remember in our passage, Deuteronomy 16, 17, that each of you must bring a gift according to what you are able in proportion to the way the Lord your God has blessed you. The amount there was given according to ability. The same issue is brought up again and again in Acts chapter 11. We see this, that the disciples, each according to his ability, decided to provide help for the brothers living in Judea. This they did, sending their gift to the elders by Barnabas and Saul. So insight number one is that the amount matters. Not every gift is equally acceptable to God. Number two is that you and I get to determine the amount. Number three is that we are to give according to our abilities. And I'm thankful for the writings of Jeff Anderson. He, he lists out four ability, giving abilities that we have. And here they are. Number one is that you and I have profit ability. Not profitability, but profit ability. Right? We have the ability to give out of our income. This is what most of us think about. We, we work a job, we get certain money, and out of that money, then we give. And, of course, that's how most of us do. The, there's a pattern in the Scripture as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 helps us understand the importance and uh, why uh, patterns are important, why discipline is important. The, the passage there invites us to be thinking about even weekly Setting aside out of our income money that would be used and given back to God. Used in the work of the church. Used in the work of God's kingdom. But it's a, it's a matter of discipline and we do it regularly over and over. Because every time we give, it's a reconditioning of our heart. It's kind of like if you have dry skin. What do you do with for dry skin? What do you do? How do you moisturize it? Yeah, you rub it in. These aren't trick questions. You, you just rub it in. And what's likely to happen? Does it get dry again? Probably. And what do you do? You moisturize them again. Because in the repetition of it, they stay soft. 
And see, the invitation to regularly discipline our lives in the act of giving is so that our hearts are perpetually tuned to the things of God. It makes us sensitive to what God is doing. And it makes me desiring to be connected to Him. Standards are good. Regularity is good. And they can be helpful in us understanding and providing an offering to God a gift that is acceptable by Him. So we have a profit ability. We give out of the income that we receive. We have possession ability, Jeff Anderson says. Think about Zacchaeus. How much did he give? 50%. It wasn't a tithe. It wasn't 10%. It wasn't 3%. That seems a little extreme, doesn't it? 50%. Well, he must have a lot. What does that matter? The gift that is acceptable to God is what Zacchaeus determined. This, out of the overflow and the abundance of generosity God has given me, I now, out of what I am able, I will give half of my possessions, he said. I'm not, he didn't say I'm going to go pull the money out of the bank. He said, up to 50%, half of my possessions I will give. Some of us have cars or investment vehicles or stocks or other things we might think about providing back out of gratitude to the Lord. A third category of ability is paid-for ability. Sometimes, perhaps, uh, you're saving for your child's college education. And what happens if that child gets a scholarship and no longer needs that money? Well, there are options now. You might put an addition on your house. Maybe you move into a new house. Maybe you buy a new car. But there's this profit, paid-for ability. I mean, it's paid-for ability. Now God has given you new opportunities to give. New opportunities to give and to connect your heart to God through the act of giving. So what might you do to, to extend those giving ways rather than extending a lifestyle, perhaps? These are opportunities. Things that you get to now pray about. And uh, when you think about this, don't think about it being a God tax that every time something good happens now, God is taxing you out of it. Because see, that, that takes us back into a form of legalism. Then we begin to give begrudgingly. We can easily give out of, this is obligation, not joy. I'm giving because God expects it, not because I want to have my life and heart connected with Him. And fourth, another ability is the faith ability. To grow our faith. Remember, it's about relating to God. And remember, when you give, you're not giving to God so that He now will do something to you, for you. Right? We never give our gifts to God with strings attached now that there's an obligation on God to do something. Have you ever given that way? It's tempting, isn't it? We live in a world that's accustomed to taking and money talks, right? You know that expression. Maybe you've never seen it out of your hands, <laughs> We know the expression money talks. Why? Because so often in our world today, we expect that if, if I do this with my money, then it secures a certain amount of influence for me. Right? But that's not the way we approach giving with God. You give and you release. You give it and you release it. This is joyful giving. So giving is not to manipulate God. It's not to force God to... Now he has to respond. I'm not being blessed. I've been giving. I'm faithful. That's not the way it works. But God will sometimes prompt your heart. 
Right? There are times people stand and maybe they talk about missions and you feel your heart strangely stirred. Uh, maybe in November when we talk about global missions and invite you to give to the Lottie Moon offering to help global missions. Maybe there are particular years you feel your heart stirred, maybe unusually stirred like never before. And maybe in the past you'd given three or four hundred dollars, but there may be a year suddenly you feel like you, you sense you just got to give a thousand dollars. But you don't have a thousand dollars. This then becomes part of our faith ability. We, we begin to listen to the Lord's promptings. We begin to follow those promptings. And we allow our obedience to be pursued with trust that God, God will take care of the details in response to our obedience. So the tithe is a helpful guideline. No doubt about it. It reminds us of giving the first, not the leftovers, It reminds us of giving our best, not just what's down at the bottom of the barrel. Tithing is good. It uh, helps us prioritize as an ongoing sense of uh, discipline. It also provides a baseline, right? We need standards in our life, a baseline. You know, in healthcare, there are baselines all over the place, right? You go in when you're healthy and you have a baseline of blood pressure and every time you go back they'll check it against that blood pressure. Dermatologists will do a skin baseline and watch as things change, right? Sports have baselines all the time. Um, You go to the, the trainer at your gym, right? You'll do your initial exercise and he'll see how much weight you can push or how far you can run and that becomes your baseline because it gives you something to grow out of. Here's what I want to encourage you when you're thinking about the tithe. Think about the tithe more as the floor than the ceiling. Think about the tithe more as the floor than the ceiling. Think about the tithe more as the entry point. Not not the goal that you're aiming toward, and then once you get there, you're going to stay there forever. Because I think God would have more of us become generous givers where we're giving well beyond the tithe. And I've always been so impressed with the generosity of this church. Over and over again, when the calls have come, people have given generously. So please don't hear this, that, that you, you, you're not giving. Not at all. But I want you to hear, if you remember anything from these three weeks, I hope you will look at giving now as your opportunity to connect your heart with God. Do we have a budget that we have to meet? Well, of course we do. Do I and the other ministry staff want to get paid? <laughs> yeah. But that's not the reason we talk about giving. We talk about giving because it's your opportunity to connect your life and heart with God and your chance to participate in a very tangible way in the work of God. Let the tithe be your floor, your entry point, your baseline. And think about going beyond it and moving above it and allowing God to free you up to be generous in increasing measure Generous with your giving. Imagine a church that's increasingly generous year after year after year. Not just because a budget needs to expand, but that more ministry happens. Here's some reflection questions as we come to a close today. Number one is that I need to draw from my relationship with God to determine an amount that matters. Because if the amount doesn't matter to you, You could give $3 million to the church. But if that's an insignificant amount to you, then it's likely not to matter all that much to God. You have to determine in your relationship with God. See, so often we want to just sit, God, tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. 
Give me the benchmark. Give me what it is, and that's what I'll do. And sometimes God will do that, but we miss out on the relating with God. We miss out on understanding what it is that God desires. We miss out on understanding what His work in the kingdom is about. We, we miss out on understanding how the church is at work and how God is at work through His church. You know, we, we had a newcomer fellowship, Explore Tiburon, today. We had eight people participate who were new to our church today. One of the things we talked about was just that, that, that God's plan A and plan B and plan C in His world is sharing His gospel through the church and the work of the church. There is no other plan. And so in your giving and in your relating to God, you allow yourself to understand the work through the church. Number two is that I need to consider all of my abilities when I give to God. Because I want you to know that I have no idea what anybody in this church gives, and I don't want to know. Okay? (laughs) I don't have any idea, so this is not pointed at anybody. I'm talking to myself. Monica, I'm looking at the mirror and asking myself, am I giving an amount that matters? Because if it doesn't matter a whole lot to me, or if I just sit down annually and write out, here's a portion of my budget, and then I never think about it again. Where am I missing the opportunities in a regular way to connect my life and my heart with the work of God by releasing my money, acknowledging the generosity of God, and in return, being generous back toward Him and His work? Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this day and this opportunity to think what I think is true. The patterns seem obvious in the Scripture to me. And I, God, we, we ask your Holy Spirit to search our hearts and, and help us to examine the Scriptures for ourselves. Help us today and this week to go and ask you, is, is this right about giving? Am I really free to give in this way? So God, help us to be free, to give more maybe than we've ever given before, to give more cheerfully than I've ever given before, to connect my heart and my life with you, perhaps like never before in the way that I give financially. To you, to support the work of the church, to be at work in your kingdom's ministry. Help us, we pray. Help us to be good stewards as a church, as individuals. For your glory, we pray it now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We're going to sing one last song. Would you please stand as a time of reflection? Uh, We're going to sing the song, the last one in your music sheet. Would you pull that out and let's sing together.